You are now listening to the Keys and Anklets podcast, your one-stop source for frank and honest information about the hot wife and cuckold lifestyles. You can find this episode on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio, or you can head to www.keysandanklets.com and subscribe right from the website. Now, let's get to the good stuff with the host who separates fact from fiction, Michael C. Hello, everyone. I want to welcome you to another episode of the Keys and Anklets podcast. Today's episode is what I like to refer to as my celebration of Locktober episode. For those of you who don't know, uh, Locktober is a celebration of chastity. And what I wanted to do was I wanted to have conversations with several different cucks on the topic of chastity. And I wanted to combine those conversations into one episode so that you could hear the different perspectives. So what you're going to hear today is me talking to four different people who all have unique perspectives. And hopefully after listening to this, you'll be enlightened. You'll learn a little bit of something. And if you're a cuck, maybe you see some of yourself in some of these guys. And, you know, they've all opened up and expressed themselves. And I enjoy doing this episode. And hopefully you'll enjoy listening to it. Now... First up, I have uh, S, and S has been married for 20 years. He's in a cuckold relationship with his wife, and we'll get to that first. So enjoy. Thank you. Okay, everyone. Here I am talking to S. He's a 45-year-old cuck. He and his wife have been married for 25 years or 20 years. 20 years, just okay. 20 years. They've been married for 20 years. And we're going to have a little conversation about chastity because I know a lot of you out there are very curious about this topic. So uh, we're going to go ahead and get and get right into it. And then the first thing I want to find out from you is when did you first learn about what chastity was? How was it presented oh. to you? Uh, well, I kind of, we both kind of known what chastity was in a relationship, you know, generally for a long time. And, you know, we've been married for 20 years. Most of that had been in some form of a non-monogamous relationship. And we enjoyed things like porn and talking about sex, you know, like most couples I assume do. But it didn't really come up as a facet of our relationship until uh, about two years ago when, We've been in the hot wife cuckolding lifestyle for five, like about the last five years. And as we started, I mean, it's, it seems weird to say this, but our cuckolding hot wife experience started a little more of an, on the vanilla side of it. And there's some experimentation and do we like this? And she starts seeing other men and it, you can tell it was ratcheting up, you know, as, as she's having fun and I'm having fun and we're very excited about this new dynamic that we're forging and we're learning a lot about each other, which has been one of the best parts of it overall. It seems like every few months we would kind of push ourselves. Like I want to try this. And it started for, it started in some ways. It's like, I think I want to date some guys alone. That was exciting. And then it's, you know, then I would go on the dates with them sometimes and I would just watch. And then it was about, I don't know, maybe about a year and a half or two years into it where she decided that, she didn't want me to orgasm anymore without her at all. And it hadn't quite gotten to where we were caging yet or mm-hmm. hadn't, even, hadn't even really talked about that. But she was saying, you know, I just, she's like, I just, I thought 
I want that control over you. It excites me, and it excited me too. And so I, I you know, stopped masturbating, stopped doing anything, and no more orgasms for me. And that was for, I guess, about another year or so, kind of like that. And there was, she, it, it, it was fun, and we enjoyed that. But at the same time, like I said, everything kind of ratchets up as you go a little bit, and we want to keep pushing ourselves. And so we can't, kind of came back to it, and I think it was me, actually, who said, you know, if this is the direction we're going and we both really enjoy it, I, I think we should start to experiment with actually caging. And that's kind of where it started. So about two years into our five years, three years, maybe two and a half years into our five years of this is when we started doing it. And it started kind of slowly. At first it was, well, of course, there's the experiments, like, you know, you've got to find the cage that works and you try it for a day or two. And can you do it? Can you keep it on? Can you go to the bathroom in it? Like all the things you worry about doing. Um, and then it started to be like, well, on the nights that we would go out, if she had a date, I would wear it, whether I was with her or not, like the day of a date. And then it would start to extend, and she'd set it out, and she'd be like, hmm, maybe two days before. And then it started to be like a week before. And then sometimes it might be, you know, if something really big was coming up, we wanted to just kind of heighten it. It would be like a couple oh, a couple weeks before. And well, where we're at now is, as, you know, like I said, into our fifth year here, it started to be 24-7, and it just felt like the natural progression of where things were. And it took a little while for both of us to get used to, to get used to, you know, mm -hmm. like there's a, it, it's accustomed to like having it on all the time is, is fantastic for me. And I think, I know she enjoys it as well, but it does take a little bit of adjustment for sure. Right. Used to right. Just having no control over your penis, but um, yeah, that's what I mean. Like I said, it just kind of progressed until we eventually got to a place where it felt natural for it to be completely locked up. And so now, I we're going into October, in fact, and so that will be uh, she locked. Well, she unlocked me three days ago, and when we put it back on, she's like, "That's going to be on all the way through October, and probably indefinitely after that." So this is our. I guess I sort of ride into the 24-7 <laughs> Okay, now for, caging. For, for those who may not be aware, I heard you reference uh, Locktober. Why don't you just kind of give my listeners a quick synopsis on what that is? Well, Locktober is just a month of celebrating the the sort of joy and sexual ecstasy of, of chastity general, generally. And so it's a, I think for a lot of couples, it's sort of their first entree into what it's like, you know, like, it's Locktoberfest. We're gonna right. you know, try it for a month and see what happens. And uh, so it's just—it's really just a celebration of chastity, generally. The month-long, yeah. So you say so. Basically, you've been doing it for, from what I'm gathering, about two years now. Like as far as it being an integral part of your dynamic. Yes, it started. Yeah, with like more sporadic caging. You know, and just sort of like on on play nights or party nights or going out kind of thing until it's in the last, you know, really just two or three months is where we started. It's been more and more regular with less and less uncagings. And, and now we've really just committed to 24-7 is what feels right for us. So you spend more time caged than you do outside of your cage. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's now, pretty much all, all the time these days. Now, in the beginning, who would you say wanted it more? Like, who who was who was championing it more? Was it you? It was it was me. At least it was my suggestion. I don't know how. 
Yeah, it was my suggestion because once we decided that orgasm denial was going to be a part of what we we wanted, it's what she wanted, was for me to stop having orgasms uh, at all unless that they were they were authorized by her. And I don't know that she considered at the time, like she thought about it as like, well, then why don't we just lock it up? And I'd suggested if we're going to do this, like, I don't want to be, I wanted, to me it was a symbol of commitment to her for that. She wanted me to stop having orgasms without her permission. I wanted to give her exactly what she wanted. That was always my goal. So uh, I suggested the next logical step is to make sure that it doesn't happen. And putting it on, it's almost like a, another wedding ring in a way. I mean, it, it's trust overall, it's, but it's my commitment to her to that she knows that we're enforcing what she wants, which is orgasm denial, because she wants to make sure that any time I come, it is for her pleasure and right. never for mine, which which is, if you're a cuckold and that's your dynamic and that's how you're wired as a man, is honestly like one of the most loving and erotic things that your wife can say to you. And so I think it was me that suggested we start caging it, and it was her who sort of took it from there and said, yep, that's the, this is the right move for us. And we, it's, it's, I'm like, you know, a little all Twitter-pated even just thinking about it, but it's just been a wonderful situation. Wonderful, wonderful. Now, when you first started wearing it, what was the hardest part for you to get used to about um, wearing a cage? There's just some basic, like, day-to-day man lifestyle changes that you kind of go through when you're doing it. Uh, and is, I think the biggest one, honestly, is sort of learning to navigate the bathroom in it. I know that's not very sexy to say, but frankly, it, it's... Oh, no, no, I, I, I want you to be real, though, so, you know, feel free to talk about it because we're, we're trying to give our listeners an idea of what of what really goes on or what chastity is really all about. And that's a question that some people have that they might be afraid to ask. So I, I want to address those things. So feel free to talk about them. Now, that was it. It was figuring out sort of how to navigate the day-to-day things, like not being seen in it at first, especially, I mean, like at work and, you know, you don't want anyone to notice. There were some concerns like, can you see the cage through my pants kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you learn pretty quickly that the safest way to go to the bathroom is to sit down which is its own form of kind of, I, I think some people would call it specification. That's not right. necessarily it ma- it a part of our kind of. of. Yeah, but it, it does change all that. Like, and I do have to sit when I go to the bathroom, even if I'm, even if I'm peeing, for example. And it is a sense that, like, you those rituals that change, those things that change that become ritual, might be a better way to say it, are just these incredible daily reminders of what you share with your wife and what you've chosen to do. And it's, you think I would, I would imagine a lot of men who aren't in this lifestyle might not understand that, that you're so happy to make that change because it satisfies her. But I mean, that's one of the big ones, like the sort of being noticed in it. it. As you get to 24 seven, um, you, our our children are, are, pretty young and don't necessarily always recognize boundaries. So they could run in on you doing anything at any time. And so learning to shield any part of that sexuality from the other parts of our family life is also some, has been a little bit of a challenge, but of course, you you know, it doesn't take very long to figure that stuff out. But those are things that you deal with a little bit. Those are some of the, you know, unanticipated because initially there's just like this 
erotic overjoyment that you're doing it. Like this is so exciting, and you know this is this is a, a cool change in our lives, and uh, you don't always anticipate some of the little side trackings that are going to happen <laughs> when you uh, make such a massive change too. So okay, so let me ask you this: How would you say that? Uh, being in chastity has most impacted your marriage? How has it enhanced your enjoyment of the lifestyle and has it detracted from it in, in any sense, if at all? I, I can't think of a way that to say it's immediately detracted from it other than, you know, like little annoyances that happen that are just part and parcel to having the cage on. But it has made us closer, like just incredibly close and in a way that we didn't realize before. I mean, she appreciates the sacrifice that is being made and at the same time expects it, which is a weird kind of thing to say, but it's true. I kind of at the same time, I know she loves me more for being willing to, to situate all of our sexuality around her. And when you, when you do it and you're the man, you have, she's the center of every sexual desire that I have. Every, I mean, everything. I, I read a story. I see her in the story. You watch porn. You imagine her in the pornography. She becomes the only real desire that I have, and she loves the worship that it creates for her, and I love giving it to her. And, and so the sacrifice of not being able to touch yourself or to masturbate or to come or the things that you might normally be able to do just brings you that much closer together. And some of the intimacy – I guess we kind of describe it as an intimacy exchange. Uh, some of the intimacy you lose, you, know, you think like, you know, a big part of being a couple is you make love to each other, and we don't do that anymore, or at least very, very rarely. Uh, but we gain intimacy in other ways. Like we spend I mean, more time talking, more time touching each other. Mm -hmm. And even just the teasing, like she loves to see me get to struggle against it. So, she'll play with my balls or she'll whisper something in my ear in public and, and get this incredible, sexy, evil grin on her face, knowing that she's like, at, at, the, um, at once pleasing me and torturing me at the same time. And it's just been, I can't really think of a way I can say that it's attractive, but it's certainly it's made us closer. It makes all the little things that I think sometimes especially after 20 years mm -hmm. of being married that you start to overlook like all the, when you first are dating someone, there's all the little touches and this and that. And you know, after a while, it, some of the thrill of that fades. And I think that chastity for us has reignited all those little things. Like we feel like teenagers again for the first time. <laughs> that's, that's, that's beautiful to hear. So let me ask you this. When she does have you cage, I mean, because I've dealt with my share of, of cuckold couples, and I know that many of the wives, when they have their husband's lot, they like to wear the key somewhere on their person. So does your wife do that? And if so, where does she typically wear the key? Like, is it on a necklace or a bracelet or an anklet? Or, like, what does she do with the key when you're locked? Uh, she wears it on an anklet. And she wears a – she has a host of different anklets that she wears. It depends on the key and the lock, too. You know, sometimes what she'll do is, you know, we have some cages that we use pretty often or she wants me to use pretty often where the keys it doesn't neatly fit on an anklet, in which case it'll go into a little pocket in her purse. Or uh -huh. sometimes when she's feeling particularly naughty, she'll hand it over to a bull on a date, and he'll have it for the time that we're all together. But when she can, she'll wear it on her, her anklet mostly. 
Very nice. Now, how does it make you feel when you're out in public and she's wearing your key in a very open fashion? Like anybody can look at her and see the key. They might not know what it goes to, but how does it make you feel when you're out in public and she's just so openly wearing the key? It's intoxicating, frankly. Uh, there's, you're right that you think probably most people see it and don't realize what it is, but we always find ourselves you see, sometimes you'll catch people looking at it and you'll be like, I wonder if they know. And there's that, there's like, I imagine it's akin to the eroticism to people who like, who like to flirt with being caught having sex in public, you know? Right. Uh, we like the idea that someone might have figured this out. I, it turns me on to be at dinner with her or at a bar, you know, especially if we're waiting for somebody or to meet, to meet like a bull or something, and someone sees it and they wonder, like, is that guy's dick in a cage? Does that work? You know, is that what's going on? <laughs> and then the bull shows up and, you know, pretty much once one of, you know, one of these bulls shows up, she's his immediately. You know, she just... I'm just there. <laughs> She's just kind of ignoring me. And you know you've kind of been outed in that way. It's it's incredibly exciting because, I know, like I said, we like to be noticed in that way. And you got to sometimes you gotta be careful. You know, you live in your community where you, you play sometimes. you gotta be you got to be cautious. But there's that, that you know, everything is, not, is uh, a little bit naughtier in our house kind of feeling. And you, we sometimes kind of hope that people are noticing. And even if they don't, I love that she flaunts it, that she wants to make sure that I know, like, who's in charge of the relationship and how far she'll go and what she's going to do and what, what I'm no longer allowed to have, which is just, again, incredibly erotic. Now, since we're on the subject of keys, one thing that I'm sure our listeners are curious about, does she have a backup? A backup, yes. So um, there's there's a key always in the house for whatever cage is picked out and that I'm wearing. So mm -hmm. um, there, I don't know where it is, but if there was ever an emergency situation, like something was actually, you know, <laughs> could, could go wrong. I could call her, and she would she would guide me to where I needed to go to get the key. Thankfully, nothing like that's ever happened. Right. Uh, but you know, and you know, knock on wood that it never would, because damn, that would be horrible. But uh, yeah, there's a key in the house for safety reasons, and she has another key with her at all times. Now, how often does she allow you to come? Like, how does that? play into everything like are you on a schedule or is it just pretty much just subject to her, her own whims or like how does that all work it is at her whim um it could be i think last year we counted that i came seven times in the year seven times in the entire and throughout the entire year in the year yeah and um this year it's been a little bit less, in fact. Uh, I think it's been like four or five. And so uh, not all that often. There's She will unlock me for a couple different reasons, uh, like sexually. Sometimes she'll, she'll just decide it's time that she, will, she would like me to come tonight. You know, I, I've been good, and I get a treat, and I get, she'll get me off. Um, that's usually, I would say, most of the time that's a hand job um, kind of thing because it can go for – a good long time of teasing is usually some just edging and teasing before the cage even comes off and she won't choose to take it off until things are 
are strained, to say the least. You know, like I'm, I'm very excited. And she'll take it off, and I'll get a nice long edging, which usually involves, uh, I get a lot of humiliation as that's happening, which she knows is exciting for me. And then it's right back on. And once in a while, maybe once or twice a year, she'll um, take it off and give me what she refers to as my titty fuck. You say pity. You say pity or titty. Pity, pity, okay, fuck. pity. Okay. So she's like, yeah, and then which is the same for it's similar to the hand job, but there's a lot of of humiliation is tied up in that about how inadequate I am and how little she can feel and why she doesn't fuck me as right. she's fucking me. And then I'll finish. I'll do my job, which is to clean her up, and then the cage is right back on. Okay, now something else that I'm sure that, that our listeners are curious about, and let me preface this by saying sometimes things we're put in situations and we kind of have an epiphany in that moment. And what I'll equate that to is, from my own personal experience, I went to a boarding school for junior high and for high school. And at the time I was going to school there, it was an all-male school. And what you real like you don't really realize it while you're in the moment, but what you realize afterwards is it's a very different dynamic when you're in an environment with no women. And what I mean by that is when you go to school with girls, that's when, you know, cliques arise and and, and, and like the separation between oh the, the 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 athletes and the nerds and the 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 loners and like like all of that stuff kind of materializes yeah a big part because you have yeah because you have girls around and since I didn't have that me and my friends were always really close like even if we were in our different groups the, the situation never came up where I like that girl but she didn't like me she liked you so now I have a problem with you like none of that ever came up. And the reason why I bring that up is now that you've been kind of put into the situation where, like you said, you may have come like seven times in a calendar year. How has looking back on it, how has that changed your demeanor and the way you feel when that is no longer, you know, cause for most guys, you know, even if we're just sitting around jerking off, you know, Orgasms are a big part of our lives, whether we choose to admit it or not. So when you relieve, right. I'm sorry, when you remove that from the equation, how has it affected you? Like, how has it changed how you see yourself and how you feel and how you behave? Oh, my God, that's a huge question. Um, well, how is, it hasn't changed how I feel about myself, like, you know, professionally and, and such. I, I'm the same person I, I always was. Um, it has changed how it has changed my demeanor with her, I think, and you know some of what I talked about before about it's kind of reoriented us a little bit more closer together. I think in some ways it's helped focus because it's just you know like hey, I'm going to stop and jerk off real quick in the middle of the day, or you know I'm going to get distracted by something you know some porn or something like that. I, I can't let myself do that in the same way because it's just a it's just a frustration that you kind of don't need. I will say that it changes the way I think about myself. Just the way I think about my cock generally. Mm-hmm. Um, like it it isn't once that you're you're more aware of it because 
it's there and it's this new kind of permanent reality for you. And at the same time, you kind of stop thinking about it at all. And what it has done is made I'm, – I'm, I've got a small – I've got a small penis, right? Like I, that's a lot of why – that's a lot of what – I guess kind of led us to this, but in general, you know, I'm about four and a half, five inches long hard. That's not particularly exciting. And there's a, there was a sense of inadequacy about that that was shameful before. And then when you lock it up, when you make it a center of your life and you give it a reason to be proud of it, like you behave, you are doing this for somebody, it reorients that shame into a sort of pride. Mm-hmm. And so I think what it's done is, taken something that was sort of a negative, like a, like a kind of inadequacy. I, you know, I talked before, I mentioned that we were swingers for a little while, and I didn't really enjoy swinging, and she didn't either. And part of the reason I didn't was, you know, there's, I wasn't a particularly exciting person to have sex with, I didn't think. And, and so, like I said, there's a little bit of shame to that. But now, like I said, caging it and kind of recentering the role around that inadequacy towards a more loving and erotic outlet in our lives has, has changed a lot of that. So I'm proud of it now. And she, you know, she's not proud. She's not proud. I don't think to say, look at the tiny cock my husband has, but she's proud to say what a good cock I am. And that's a really loving part of it. That's, it's, it's different, but it's, it's one of the best parts of the lifestyle for us, I think. Okay. So let me ask you this. I mean, obviously, you enjoy looking at your wife. I mean, I follow you on Twitter, and I know that you post, you know, a, you know, video clips of your wife and everything like that. So in, in regards to whether you're watching her or you're looking at porn, like, I guess for the average guy, when we look at porn, you know, we watch it, we get excited, we jerk off. We come, then we move on to the next thing. But for you, that touching yourself and coming aspect of it is removed. So do you still watch porn? How do you feel when you watch, you know, when you're, you know, when you're editing these videos of your wife having fun with her bull and you're about to put them on Twitter or watching for your own enjoyment, like how, how has that been affected knowing that you can't even touch yourself? Um, <laughs> well, we still watch porn and uh, she likes to, we like to watch porn together and she she enjoys, which makes me enjoy it even more, how kind of like, I don't want to say it's stressful, but, you know, she likes to watch me struggle in the cage. That's exciting for her. So um, in that regard, we still enjoy doing it a lot. The, like, side of me that would, like, you know, the pre-caged side of the guy side of me that could sit for, like, an hour and watch porn and jerk off, I just don't have, I can't do that anymore in the same way because it, it creates sort of a frustration that, I don't want, and it's also that I know that she doesn't want me to have that. That's time I'm not focusing on her satisfaction the way that I should be, and so a lot of that kind of gets cut out a little bit. When I'm watching her with other men, it's it's a I can I guess a a glorious kind of torture to feel about you know just to think what as someone who's walked away now, what she will give other men that she won't give me, and she's very apt and. Uh, to tease me with exactly that kind of thing. And so there's, there's an, like you hear people describe, I guess, like a cuckold angst kind of thing. Right. I think there's a little bit of that, that sense that that's, but that's the excitement that cuckolds 
or at least this cuckold once, you know? And so uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's, it's erotic and a little frustrating, but beautiful at the same time. And it, I think a hot wife cuckold dynamic is, we talked about this, she and I, not all that long ago, but there's like a interesting Venn diagram where in the middle are the things that we have in common, you know, like the, like the parts of like our sexuality that like the things that we share and, you know, in there is, there's like a little bit of an infidelity fetish, obviously that we both, we're both into, we both have a little bit of a cum fetish and there's those kind of things. But on the outside of that, on her side, there's seeing other men of variety and she's into like strangers and like, you know, pickups and stuff like that. But on the other side of it, I'm into a lot of emotional manipulation. And so it, it's a point where all those things kind of come together and, I think that's, I think that's, I think that's kind of what you're you're describing. But right. yeah, for us, there's like this is there's this not sliver, but you know, decent sized overlap on those Venn diagrams. But it's a mental game overall. And so, on the outside of the Venn diagram, on my side, are those things that I need and want, and it's very intellectual, you know, in, in that regard. Like, I guess you could describe for her the physical sensation and the pleasure is what she loved that. Right. And I like the mental side of it more, which is to say that she's not very intellectual about sex, but mm-hmm. it is to say like different things like really turn us on. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that's kind of somewhere in that area is where we, it helps us like fuse those two things in a really exciting way. Now, a- another thing that I'd like to address, and this is kind of a two part question what can you recall about the first time someone other than your wife saw you caged? And then in addition to that, outside of your wife and her bulls, does anyone else in your life or that you encounter know that you wear a cage? So um, we have, we have a lot of friends who are still in the Swino lifestyle and, uh, and as and we're not really swingers, obviously, not swingers at all, but a lot of swingers see this incredibly novel. And so when people first started to realize that I was caged, there was like all the the women, half of the couples, the swinger friends that I come up and grab my dick and be like, oh, my God, it is caged. Okay, well, let, let, me, let me pause you right there. How did they find out that you were caged? Oh, um, my wife would tell them. <laughs> so, so she would just offer up that information. Oh yeah, and they, okay. would use, they would say something like, "Let's go do this or let's do that." And she's like, "I don't think Scott's going to want to do that. His dick's in the cage." You know, <laughs> so, um, she, she's not shy about adding that at all to the to especially friends who are in some form of like non-monogamous lifestyle. Does, does she so, does she enjoy like shocking them in that way? I think she, yeah. At this point, they, the shock has happened, but yeah, right. she. Uh, I think she she did, and so there would be a lot of like grabbing it. And we still will meet friends someplace. Like we go to we go to Naughty in New Orleans every year, and uh, we'll be out doing something. And friends of ours will come up and still grab me and be like, "Oh yeah, it's still on there." And I was like, "Yep, it's pretty much always on there." Thank you for thank you for thank you for the grab. I appreciate that. But um, so those folks know. Um, as far as vanilla friends or anything like that, nobody really knows there. That's you know we keep that pretty private. But. Uh, yeah, so it's mostly other friends who are in some form of the lifestyle. I will say that, uh, like last year at Naughty New Orleans, for example, when we were there, was I we were in the playrooms quite a bit, and I was caged the whole time. And 
as you'll walk back then, you're naked in the back area where you're going back to playrooms. And we'd just be walking back to uh, the BBC rooms, and a number of people would see it. And I remember specifically hearing one person who walked by and in my smallest cage, which I like. If I'm going to be seeing, I like to be in my smallest cage. I don't right. know why. It's just like, fuck it. I'm going right, to you're going you know. to own it, and hey, this is who I am, and embrace it. Exactly. You know, if that's a good thing. And I remember walking by some couple, and the woman looking at me, and you know, almost like high school hallway, pointing. She's like, "Oh my!" <laughs> it was. I think she, you know, she's probably thinking like, "Oh goodness, that's not a thing for us." And it got me hard. I was like, "Thank you." Know, I loved it. It was exciting. It was, again, it's that connection. Like, I'm doing this for this woman that I love, and because this is what she wants, and this is what makes us happy. Right. It's like, it's like the ultimate sign of devotion, to put that thing that men have put so high, and you just basically lock it up and give her total control of, over it. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, you get a little bit of reaction like that sometimes in those environments, but that's exciting. I mean, I, I, I don't know that many other cuckolds, you know, like, but I would imagine if they're wired sort of like I am and we are, they would find that to be intensely erotic. So. Wonderful. Okay, now what, Now, for those of our listeners who may not know, cages usually come in, in, in several different materials. You have your stainless steel, you have plastic, you have silicone. Uh, have you worn all three? Do you have a preference? Which do you wear more often? I have worn all three, and I I do have a preference. I prefer stainless steel. There's a, a kind of a weightiness to it, and uh, one of the things my wife will say is that to her it looks like jewelry. You know, she's like, oh look, we've decorated your little nub, and uh, that it, she feels that way about it is really exciting to me. So I prefer stainless steel. There's also, it's just cleaner. I mean, cleanliness is an issue in this lifestyle. You have to be very careful. Like, it is, depending on the kind of cage you have, you've locked it into a, a tight area and, you know, bacteria could form, et cetera. So stainless steel from a clean, you know, being, just being a good, clean, hygienic human being, I think is a, a good way to go. But I've worn all kinds of cages, and, you know, I'm sure as we get closer to Oktoberfest here, there'll be a lot of swapping out because she likes to, kind of dress it up in different things to, right. for her own variety. <laughs> but um, I guess my second favorite is probably like the CB3000 or 6000, those style kind of plastic cages. But the problem is, I mean, just speaking for me personally, is that they don't make a cage small enough, and so I don't really populate the cage <laughs> you know, the way we would like to uh, for it to feel snug. So we usually go with uh, what we affectionately refer to as our door knocker. And uh, which is just a completely kind of round, rounded front. It's very, very tight. Or occasionally another one that's about the same size, but it's a little bit more open air. And my wife will say she likes that one because she likes the negative space because we're nerds, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Now, how has chastity affected or changed the way that you view your own dick? Uh, it's it's made me proud of being small because it's like I said it's something I I, I do for her. Not, I don't just do it for me. I enjoy it as well, but it is for her, and it's taken what is kind of a liability and, and made it a source of pride. So um, it's allowed me to I, I guess own that 
that element of my inadequacy in a way and focus on other ways that I can be a more supportive and better lover, you know? Like, I, she loves for me to give her head. I go down on her a lot, and she likes it. And I, I feel like I'm better at that when I don't expect reciprocation. I know that no one's coming. I also feel sort of a sense of pride when bulls comment on it and mock me for it. And it, it's exciting that I can – I can allow that kind of what would be would feel like hurtful criticism to someone or something or just like a, a cruel thing to say and and own it and love it and be turned on by it and and see how turned on she is by it. That's a gift you can give someone of humility that I think is a pretty rare thing in relationships. So it's like I said, it's turned a it's turned an inadequacy into a source of pride for both of us. And a, and a reason for us to connect that is way better than right. the sex that we give up. It's something that yeah. definitely brings the two of you closer. Now, one thing that I want to do with these little conversations is I, I like to end them on a light note. So with that in mind, what is, like, the funniest chastity-related story or experience, something that happened, something that was purely random, unexpected or whatever that you look back on and you laugh about it. Like what is one of those that you can share with my listeners? Um, I thought about what I was going to say for this actually uh, quite a bit. So I travel a lot for work and when I travel, uh, I have to wear, you know, there's different cages I can take when I'm traveling, but you can't get through airport security wearing a cage, especially when you go through those little, little spinny magnetometer things that are essentially right. detecting mass. Right. So um, what I'll do is, uh, we'll get permission to get unlocked before I, I get to the airport and put it in my bag. And then at the airport, once we're out of there, I'll go into the bathroom and relock, photograph those blocks so she knows everything's okay and go on. So uh, one time I had I had not slipped it in my checked bag, but or my yeah my checked bag, but instead put it in my backpack because I was in a hurry. Mm-hmm. And so got searched at the airport. And then, uh, now, <laughs> and, before you put this, is a metal cage? Yes, it was a metal cage. I didn't want to wear a plastic one. So it was a, it was a metal cage. And uh, we use a little tag on this. This, it, this one has like a little post, and it goes through, and there's a little loop on the post. And so when I'm traveling, because there's no lock and key, and if there was a problem, you wouldn't want to have something that was locked on the road because you couldn't right. get it off. Um, we use a little plastic tag with a serial number on it so she knows I haven't cheated. And uh, I... I had all that in my bag, and when they ran it through the the X-ray, they decided that was I don't know if that was the reason in and of itself, but that was my bag was then pulled and searched. I had to stand there while the TSA person pulled everything out, including my my cage, and sent it there. And luckily, they didn't ask me any questions about it. Uh, but it was still sort of a it was a moment as you right. watched them reach into your bag and pull out your little. Now, did you, something else it could be? Did you <laughs> yeah. see anything on their face when they held it? Like, did you, or was it like, I've seen this before? I, I, they were pretty professional about it. And so I, I can only imagine what kind of things have been pulled out of people's, you know, check right. bags or not, not, you know, the bags there. So they were pretty professional about it. But there was a, there was, I had my own pause where I was like, oh my God, like this, it was actually a woman. I was like, that woman has her hands on the cock cage and <laughs> this is, this is happening, I guess. Here we go. Right. <laughs> kind of thing. But I did what I was supposed to do. I actually put it back in. She thanked me. There was nothing in my bag, of course. And I trotted right off the bathroom and put it on. Now, when, so, that, ha- when that happened, how excited or anxious were you 
about recounting that story to your wife? Uh, I called her from the airport and told her that it happened. And I was, I was pretty excited actually. Cause like I said before, there's always the, it's kind of fun to feel like you're getting caught. It would have been more right. fun to have been together, you know, and have it happen, but it was still, it was still exciting. It, it took me a minute in the stall in the bathroom to sort of calm myself down enough to be able to get the cage off. <laughs> but it was a, like I said, it was a moment. It, I wasn't sure how I was going to react. And then the strangest part was to seeing another person's hands on it. You know, mm-hmm. it's a pretty private thing. It's like yeah, absolutely. a stranger just, yeah, yeah, there's your laptop, and uh, there's a looks like a battery, and this appears to go on your cock. Is this your cock cage, sir? You know? <laughs> so, well, that's probably my uh, strangest story. Well, I want to thank you for being so uh, forthcoming about all of this. I'm, I'm sure that, you know, some of our listeners are going to really enjoy hearing you recount, you know, all of this and kind of give how all of this is from, from your perspective. So like I said, I want to thank you for being so open and forthcoming uh, with everything. Before I wrap this up, is there anything that you would, because obviously you have a lot of people that are listening to this right now. So is there any kind of message that you have for husbands, for couples who are toying with the idea of introducing chastity into their dynamic? My advice is to experiment. Give it a shot. Um, There's no decision you make as a couple. Uh, There are very few decisions you make as a couple as a couple that can't really be reversed. You know, and before you say no, I could never do that, or no, it's just not for me, or that's too humiliating, or whatever. That you know, the reason that you might be resisting it is. My advice is to give it a shot. Try a week. Try two days. See how it excites her, and. I think for people, as people begin to see that, it might change their minds, or it might not. But either way, and all of this lifestyle comes with the assumption of an open mind. And so this is one of those things in your cuckolding relationship for which I think you should keep an open mind. Well, thank you. I appreciate, like I said, you being open about all of this and, and kind of giving everyone a peek behind the curtain and I'm I'm looking forward to see the types of comments that I get on on this particular episode. So again, like I said, thank you, and you've been a great oh, guest. Welcome. And um, I look forward to doing a more in-depth, you know, interview with you and your wife uh, in the future. We would love that. Thank you so much, and thank you for the show. We we really enjoy it. You're doing amazing work. So thank you. All right. Well, thank you for that. I appreciate it. Okay, next up we have James. Now, some of you uh, who are familiar with all of my episodes uh, might recognize his voice. James is actually the husband and cuck of Anne, who I interviewed in a previous episode. And I also interviewed James. And what I did for this is I recorded his episode before the October episode, but I knew that I was working on it. So I saved the chastity portion to the end of the conversation I had with him. So if you've already heard that episode, then this portion of it will sound familiar. And if you haven't, then maybe this will inspire you to go back and listen to his entire episode. Enjoy. You know, it's been alluded to several times, but now we're going to kind of go into more, uh, more depth about it. And that's the subject of chastity, because I know that 
it's a big part of your dynamic. I know from reading your blog and, you know, the pictures that she has posted that it's something that she really enjoys. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, I want to, I want to get into that uh, a little bit more. And to start off with, how would you say the act of chastity in itself being locked up and her holding the key, how has, what impact has that had on your relationship as husband and wife? Well, I think uh, the reality is it's been a great positive experience. But the reality also is, is that 30 years ago, here I was, you know, something I was her main man, so to speak. And now, 30 years later, I'm locked up. (laughs) So uh, I'm not that anymore. So there's been that dynamic change, but that dynamic change has occurred because it's necessary for her control of me and the pleasure that she gets from being able to do that and ask me to do that and be that way. And I'm, I'm, you know, I feel comfortable right now. I'm in chastity. I feel completely comfortable. Uh, sometimes I don't even know. I mean, uh, it's gotten to that point where it's, you know, it's, it's almost a normal routine, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. But it's, it represents a symbolic, uh, image that, you know, this is, this is where he is now, not somewhere where he used to be, and I'm with someone else. And so, you know, I, that's cool. I like it. I mean, it's, um, you know, people may think it's a little strange uh, when they, you know, they hear about it. But, you know, when you understand the dynamics of what's happening and cuckolding uh, between the cuckold and the cuckoldress and the bull also, I mean, it, it's, it, it makes perfect sense. Uh, and uh, it makes it arousing and, you know, titillating. And, um, uh, you know, I think it's something that um, we as a couple uh, – use quite a bit for, you know, enhancing the the whole experience. Now, you know, because there's, you know, a lot of information out there and and it's one of those things that, you know, people are curious about and have a lot of different viewpoints on. But one of the things that I would like for you to share with my listeners is from a focus standpoint, what effect has chastity had on you? Well, I think um, the focus is is that it's it, you 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 put this on, you lock it up, and basically it's like you are not you know the vehicle for her sexual pleasure, and so that's the focus in in a physical sense. The uh, emotional focus is is that it's uh, still an arousing element that. You know, yeah, it contains you, but it also tells you that you're part of a special type of relationship with your wife. And so you have kind of two different folks. You have the physical and you kind of have the emotional. For me, you know, those two uh, kind of combine together for the experience. Now, from a releasing standpoint, how up, like what's the longest that she's kept you in chastity? And when you are locked up, how is your release handled? Do you ask for your release or do you just wait for her to release you? Like how exactly does that work for you two? Yeah. Um, 
when it comes to uh, time, it's I think the longest has been um, almost two weeks. It's not a full time thing. I have you know other obviously I have another life. <laughs> some, right. In some situations, you just can't be locked up, and you're going to see the doctor or something. But um, uh, it's uh, it's used when it's very important for her to make a statement about what she's going to be doing with another man. And so um, the period of time is not as long. I've seen, you know, uh, people online, you know, talking about, you know, months and whatnot. Sometimes I question that because uh, the reality is, is it's not uh, an easy thing to have in place. And when it comes to hygiene and things like that, you know, and movement, there can be, you know, things that you have to overcome and over a long period of, you know, time. It's, you know, it seems questionable, but I'm sure some people can accomplish it. But the reality is, is that for us, it's used and more importantly focused around an event that's going to happen with Anne and someone else. And the release occurs only when she wants to release it. If she came back, you know, from an overnight it would not necessarily come off. It would probably, it could be two or three days before it comes off because she wants to still maintain that control and she wants to keep arousing me by telling me what happened and to keep kind of reliving it in her mind but also making me live it too. And so when it finally does come off, she takes it off mm-hmm. and she will, you know, tell me to go clean up or something, and that may be the end of it. She may not necessarily use her hand, you know, to jack me off. That's There's no um, definitive, you know, uh, happening to what's, you know, eventually for me having an orgasm. It's, it's all based upon what she feels like it needs to happen. Sometimes it might happen right away. Sometimes it could be even more days after I've been released. Um so she's very good about keeping things changed up and different, and you just don't know. And I like that. Now, others may want to have more predictability. I don't. I just want to know that she's in control, and maybe something will happen, or maybe it won't happen. And so she but always she keeps you guessing. <laughs> yep. And you like that. And that's, oh, I love it. I mean, you know, that's. Well, it's, part, it's part of the mind fuck. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's all, it's all a part of the mind You can't fuck. be doing this. You can't be doing this if you're not having your mind fucked. I mean, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Now, for those who, you know, may only be a little bit aware, uh, cages usually come in three different materials. You know, you have sta- you know you have stainless steel, you have plastic, and you have silicone. Uh, right. Of those three, which do you currently own? I have all three. Um, I actually started with the. If you look at it, and you can actually see all three of them on the uh, blog post that we have on CM. Um, there's different photographs we've used, and the first one I got was the silicone. It was a black silicone one, and, and the reason I got it, it was, it was, it was kind of, it was different. It was, you know, you saw all the, you know, the standard ones out there, and just like, oh, come on, I, you know, I'm a little more creative than this. So I got this one because it was maybe you could call it a little, a little more fetish looking, 
But what it did is it, it encased my penis and basically says, you can't see what it is except it's an object between my legs. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like a lot of the others, you know, you, you know, it's, you can, it has a shape maybe that resembles a penis or, you know, right. or there's a certain transparency. But this one obscures all that and gives a totally different appearance. And I like that. I mean, it's, it's, it's a kind of a fun, different look. The next one I got was the more practical one that um, Anne likes me to wear a lot, and that's the CB3000. It's a pink color. You know, it's um, uh, it fits well. It's comfortable. It's lightweight. Um, you know, it's out of plastic. Um, and so it's, you know, kind of a workman type of uh, chastity. And like a utilitarian and, type of. Yeah, right, exactly. And then uh, the latest one is, is a more uh, metal, um, uh, more of a, not this, it doesn't look like a cage, it's more like a, a series of rings with a, a hood over it, so to speak. It has more of an interlock instead of an actual uh, padlock. So it has, it has a little bit different look. Again, that's me. I just want something that looks a little bit different, than, and Anne likes that. Um, um, but And it makes a, a, an interesting statement visually. But it's very heavy, and it's very cumbersome in, in a lot of ways, too. So it's not used as much um, as compared to the uh, pink one. And, uh, um, you know, it, in, a, in a series of – if it was an extended period of time, it's, uh, you know, we could use all three. You know, we can, you know, change things up and allow them mm-hmm. to – cleaning for hygiene but you know it's it uh you can use all three um the uh, the pink uh, cb3000 would be used more on a, a long longer term basis you know daily you know use you know under clothes whatever the other two could be more of a visual element if i was to be um included say if she had a bowl in the bedroom and she wanted me to display it for the bowl or whatever, you know, do something that, you know, kind of added a, a little bit of, of a highlight to what they were doing as, uh, as knowing what I was in. Uh, so there's more kind of a visual element there that would be uh, for uh, a situation where she's maybe, you know, being fucked by someone. Um, so, yeah, I have all three. They all have their advantages, their disadvantages. I mean, I'm always looking. I think it's always fun to to see some of the creativity out there. Um, but uh, yeah, it's you know, yeah, you're right. There's three different kinds basically when it comes down to it. <laughs> now, aside from obviously your wife and her bulls, is there anyone who you guys know personally that? is aware that you're kept in chastity sometimes not yet <laughs> so you don't have any friends who that you have from your swinging days that that know about it we have we have some close friends and from swinging and uh and we'll be close friends for the day we all die but um and they know about the cuckolding but they don't know about the chastity part it's it's something that it's not necessarily deliberately hiding it. It's, I think it's something that when it's appropriate to let someone else know, that's when we would do it. And, and, and that's kind of a vague statement, but, you know, I think, um, 
I think we take pride sometimes in the, in the privacy that we kind of create around our cuckolding too. I mean, there's, um, uh, you know, I think there's an element there that makes it you know, a little titillating. Um, you know, that, uh, I think you talked about it before, that duality where right. most people perceive you as this, but then in the reality, what's behind the closed door or underneath my pants is this. So, you know, it's kind of different things playing into it, but I think, you know, when the right moment comes around, um, and it may be with this couple that I already know, um, yeah, uh, I think, um, you feel confident that it's, you know, that it can be known. Um, but uh, not right now, anyways. Okay. Now, this is something that I always get a, a kick out of asking. Do you have a story, something that you can recall uh, involving you being caged that was funny? Like where something funny happened, maybe you went somewhere and it came off or, you know, somebody almost saw it. Like in all the years that you've been wearing it, have you ever had one of those near misses or something that you and Anne were both kind of able to laugh about later? Um, or something embarrassing? No, I, not, not, not yet. I, I guess. Uh, though you can notice it if I'm like, I do wear it to going to work out in the gym. And so certain exercises, you know, may show that area more and, but it may give you the appearance of looking like you're endowed and not in chastity. <laughs> so, um, uh, but I have, and you know, if, and if I'm wearing jeans, it's a little bit tighter fit so that, you know, there's a bulge there that, you know, uh, you know, once again, kind of will make people think differently. But I haven't had an embarrassing one yet. Um, knock uh, on wood. I suppose. Yeah, <laughs> knock on wood. You know, I suppose if there would be one, it would be like plastic, you know, pink CB3000 satellite bus, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, it's, I guess you need to have one of those sometime, you know, uh, uh, but uh, we haven't had one yet, and uh, you know, who knows what will happen in the future. Now, what? This is a two-part question. What is, in your mind, the hardest thing about being caged, and what is the most rewarding aspect of being caged? I think um, that's a good question. Uh, hardest thing. I think the hardest thing is um, is really doesn't have anything to do with cuckolding. It's just you know um, ha- is having the right fit. I mean, it, it, there's so many different devices out there, and everyone every man is different. At least every cuckold is different, and so um, probably the hardest thing is is. It's not like you can walk in somewhere and say, "Can I try on this, uh, this, uh, you know, chastity?" You know, and it's something that you have to go out there and you basically have to kind of buy it and live with it. And uh, I think that's probably, you know, uh, why I have three is because they all, like I said, provide something different. But the reality is, is that I haven't had the perfect one yet either. Uh, uh, 
The uh, things that I, the second part of the question I, I was like, what do I like about it? Well, what's uh, the most rewarding thing about being The most caged? rewarding thing? The most rewarding thing is, is it emphasizes the relationship that Anne and I have. It emphasizes the cuckolding relationship we have. It emphasizes that the reason I'm wearing that is because she's going to be fucking man, other man. And... Um, and I get to, you know, learn about it and live it, so to speak. And, you know, I'm not allowed to be, you know, intimate with her like these men, but it's still a reward. It's still arousing. It's still, you know, something that I enjoy when, it, you know, I get to have it on. Um, and so, yeah, I think it, it, it all comes back to what Anne is doing, and that's the reward. Okay. Now... You know, I don't want the, the interview to go too long because I know that people have a limited amount of time that, that they have to listen to this. So the last thing that I want to address uh, with regards to chastity is uh, how has being caged changed the way that you look at your own dick? <laughs> yes, yes. Um, well, I think like I mentioned before, you know, 30 years ago, I thought I had, you know, a pretty, pretty good dick there, you know, and I was giving Anne some pretty good pleasure and, and even a few other women. And now I am 30 years later and <laughs> I'm locked up and Anne is with other men that give her better pleasure. So yeah, it's, it's, you, you do realize that, uh, it is different. And it's not so much that maybe you physically change, but you suddenly realize that, you know, the relationship you have is, you know, has grown where we've been able to acknowledge it by, you know, talking to each other that, you know, this is what really makes, you know, makes it work for us. And for Anne, she needs, you know, endowed men. And that's, that's simple. And so she needs that and you're going to be locked up because I don't need that. So. Uh, yeah, I think that's, you know, that's the perception, and I'm cool with it. I mean, I don't have a problem with it. I think that, uh, you know, Anne is, you know, is, she's deserving of the best. That's, a, you know, that's absolutely, you know, the bottom line, and the best is not going to be me. So and I'm good with it. Okay, well, that's enough on chassis. Next up, we have G. G is another cuck who's been married to his wife for 20 years. And I have not done a full interview with him yet. So this is his views on chastity. Enjoy. Okay, I'm talking to G. This is a gentleman who is in a cuckold relationship. He's been married to his wife for 20 years. And we are going to talk chastity with him today kind of get his feelings and thoughts on it and hopefully enlighten some people in the process and give them kind of a peek uh, behind the curtain. So why don't you go ahead and say hi to everyone, G. Hello. Okay. Now you say that you've been married for, for 20 years. Can you just kind of give us an idea of, of how long cuckolding has been a part of your marriage? I would say it's, it's been 12 years of meeting both. You said 12 years? Yes, correct. 12 years. 
okay, so you say cuckolding has been involved uh, for 12 years. And how long, how much of that 12 years has chastity been a part of it? Just four years. Just kind of uh, stumbled across that recently. And who was the, I guess, the, the, the primary proponent of that? Was it you bringing it to your wife's attention or her bringing it to your attention? It was me bringing it to her attention. Um, she, I would say she is not an alpha female. So it was definitely me. And how did you learn about it initially? Uh, Twitter. Twitter. Um, just got, I got on Twitter uh, as a couple page and just started following more people. And, uh, yeah, just started seeing a few people that uh, was into the chastity and uh, thought we'd give it a try. Okay, so what was it about chastity that when you started learning about it resonated with you? Like what made you say, wow, this really interests me, I would like to try it? Like what about chastity spoke to you in a certain kind of way? I like the aspect that it gave her control. Um, just she could um, be more alpha with it, which which I like in a woman. Mm -hmm. So uh, her was the key. Um, having her with control of my orgasm, um, you know, a little bit of a humiliation part of it. Uh, that's what I feel. Now, kind of give us an idea of like how has it impacted your marriage, and more specifically, your cuckolding dynamic. Like, what's changed? since chastity has become, you know, a bigger part of it? Uh, when she keeps me in for a longer period of time, um, you know, you have those that pent-up sexual frustration with really, uh, I'm just more touchy-feely with her, I'm more affectionate, um, more docile. Um, uh, those are the biggest, biggest things. And, you know, on a, on a monthly basis, you know, say an average month of, of, of 30 days, how much of that time on average would you say you spend being locked up on average? Uh, I'd say three weeks. Now, we've gone five weeks, five and a half weeks um, at one time. But I'd say generally, it's, you know, 21 days tends to be the, the average. Now, do you typically do, you know, 21 days locked up and then a week off, or are you taking breaks throughout the month? No, 21 days locked up. Okay, so she prefers to go for a longer period of time and then give you a break and then go back to it. Yeah, yeah. Now, are there ever times that you ask to be released? Um, Are you allowed to more, ask to be released? Um, yes, and she is not that uh, dumb female. She doesn't, you know, punish me for those types of things. Um, I do it to be playful, um, and generally she just says no. Um, but, you know, it is more of a, a, a playful thing. 
Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that she doesn't release me is not, uh, you know, it, it, it's actually after her. So you like the fact that she's not as strict about it as, say, some more alpha females would be? I mean, I could, I could stand to have her be a little more strict, but, uh, um, but yeah, it, it, it works for us the way it is, but I would not mind it if she was. Now, when you're locked up, does she allow you to come at all while you're locked up, or is it strictly no coming at all? It only happened once, and that was by mistake, because I didn't even realize it was the first time I used the Hitachi wand on it. Mm-hmm. I, I really didn't think, you know, I was going to be able to come, and it just happened. Um, ever since then, she's kind of taken away the Hitachi wand. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so she she kind of learned from that and was like, okay, you're not supposed to do that, so no more wine for you. Yeah. Now, you know, when you're locked up, what what is what is your playing with her like? Like, how much more manageable are you when you're, you know, when she has you under lock and key? Well, I want to perform oral on her all the time when I am, and but uh, she enjoys that. Um, she's not a big strap-on person. Um, you know, having me wear a strap-on and uh, use that on her, she's not big on that. That's another thing I'd like more of, but she's not. Um, so, but, you know, lots of oral, and she enjoys that. And uh, I try to make dates for her. when You know, when I'm locked up, I want her to have dates. So you're more focused on her when you're locked up. Yeah. Yeah. Now, aside from, uh, you know, obviously her bulls, is there anyone else in your circle who knows that you guys practice chastity? Not the immediate uh, local. Um, maybe a few couples locally, but no one that's not in the lifestyle. Um, and I've made friends on Twitter that, of course, know, but uh, just a few couples that are in the lifestyle know I do. Now, you say couples that are in the lifestyle. Are you referring to couples that, and I'm talking about people that you know personally, are these couples who also enjoy cuckolding or are these, you know, couples who are more swinger or hot wife oriented? Uh, more swingers, really. Uh, we do not know many uh, couples uh, that, are, you know, basically strictly uh, meeting goals. Um, we made a lot of friends early on in our cleaning lifestyle that we are still friends with that are just, um, you know, they swing with other couples. Now, when you, when other people who are in the lifestyle find out that you guys practice chassis, like what's the, the general consensus? Like how do people usually react to you about the fact that she keeps you under lock and key? Uh, most of them don't really get it. They don't understand. They don't, you know. And then once you explain it to them, they're still they still don't get them. it. <laughs> they, 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 yeah, they're baffled that wait, wait, you don't come, you don't want to come. Or, you know, they don't. You know, they, they don't understand the mindset. Mm-hmm. Now, when she talks about it with with other couples, is she reluctant? to talk about it? Is she proud to talk about it? Like, what do you sense from her energy as far as letting other people know that this is a part of your dynamic? 
Um, I think he kind of speaks of it kind of matter-of-factly. Um, not a proudness, not a, you know, um, you know, she doesn't tell everybody. Right. Um, but uh, I, I, I encourage her to. So you like it when she talks about it? Yeah, yeah. Does it excite you physically when she talks about it? Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah. Why does it excite yeah. you? Um, it's that the power dynamic, I guess, that she's relaying when she when she's talking about it to other people that she has the key and she's getting locked up. It's just that power dynamic. If I can, if if I don't know if you're in like a certain space or that, but if can you, is it possible for you to talk a little louder? Sure. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Um, do you wear it to work? Say again? When you're locked up. I, I mean, obviously you say you wear it, you know, three weeks straight. So you wear your, your cage when you're at work. Yes. Yes, I do. And when you're at work and you're caged, how aware are you that you're locked up at a given time? Uh, almost all day because I'm moving around, walking. Um, so I'm just I'm feeling it all the time. And do you find that exciting, or is it ever yes. like a nuisance? Uh, no, really, is it a nuisance? I mean, no, I uh, I love it. Now, are you not, now? I know that that you know. For those who may not be aware, cages come in different materials. You have stainless steel, you have plastic, you have silicone. Your primary cage, what material is it made of? Uh, stainless steel. And is that your preference? Uh, yes, it is. I have two stainless steel ones, one plastic. Um, the plastic one is is the vice. Uh, uh, what is that called? Locked and lost from locked and lost. Um, and it's pink, so you know when when I kind of like that when she wants me a little more feminine or right. Now, why is it that you prefer the metal over, say, plastic or silicone? Uh, the weight, um, you know, you just know it's there. Uh, um, the plastic, you, you're when you when you're excited. And so you, you you know just it doesn't slide well in it you know so you tends to bind your cock tends to bind up in it and so it's not quite as comfortable. Now when you are uh, locked up, does she wear your key in a visible place or does she just put it somewhere? No, she doesn't. I I've asked her to and she has a few times. It's, again, that's something she doesn't do that I wish she did. So she keeps it in her. In her wallet. Um, do you have any particular uh, reasoning as to why she might be adverse to wearing the key? Because uh, she's very stylish and she likes to have, you know, like a stylish necklace that she has on. And <laughs> so just wearing a chain with a key on it doesn't, you know, it's not style. <laughs> so she would be adverse to even wearing it on an anklet. Like that would still, as far as she's concerned, that would still impact her sense of style. You know, I ought to, I, I ought to broach that subject. I don't know. We have not discussed that. That might be something we should. Good idea. 
Well, hopefully it's something that, that you know, because I've, you know, I've, I've been with my share of couples, and it's always kind of cool to see the key being, you know, being displayed in, in that fashion. And I know that, Absolutely. you know, a, a, a lot of the cucks, you know, enjoy, you know, enjoy seeing that kind of that constant reminder of, you know, there's my key. Now, Absolutely. For emergency situations, do you does you know do you guys keep like a spare key around the house? Like, what what is your contingency plan? Uh, don't really have one, but those locks really are not that dirty. The lock you really had to you could grab a pair of pliers and push it off. Okay, so it's it's it's, it's easier to get out of than because I've seen some cages where if you don't have the key, you're just shit out of luck. Right. Okay. Those are those uh, ones without the padlocks on it. Uh, um, what are those called? But I have seen those, and those are handsome cages. Now, in reference to the to the power uh, dynamic that's in play, do you feel like she fully grasps the amount of power that she has, or is this something that, that's still like a very much a work in progress? Work in progress. Um, I'm not so sure she would ever want to, you know, fully have that power. I guess um, one of those things that you know you have to adjust to and not push with her. So when you do, like you say, explain it to 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 other people, and mainly I would say online because I'm sure. You know, you get approached a lot by other cucks. What types of conversations do you usually have with other cucks regarding chassis? Like, what's a common series of questions that you normally get about it? Uh, what type of cages I like? What might be good? Um, sizing, which of course is hard to hard to explain. You know, because you just don't know, you know, their sizes and uh, it's. And then a little bit about um, the feelings of it. And, you know, I think a lot of guys want to go gung-ho into it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'm not sure they're, they really understand. <laughs> um, you know, just the dynamics of the full-time task. I, mean, I think a lot of guys, 48 hours is fun. Okay. And... Being locked up, how has it changed the way that you look at your own dick? Um, yeah, you know, when I'm in the in the uh, whole grasp of it all, uh, you know, sometimes I like to her like her to refer to it as a clip, my clip. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, uh, you know, again, it's a power thing. Um, you know, I, I like it when she, you know, she's fucking a big cock and she's telling me how big it is and she's asking me how my little cock is feeling. You know, so I, I yeah, I feel, you know, I like being thought of as smaller. Now, I've, 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 I've talked to, to other cucks and they've kind of uh, pointed this out and I'm just kind of curious to hear your thoughts on it. They've expressed the idea that one of the things that chastity has, has helped them with is 
in a weird sort of way, it actually makes them feel proud to be small. Like it makes them feel proud to, you know, to have a woman that they're willing to give that kind of power and control to. And I'm just curious to hear what, what your thoughts, like has being locked up made you, you know, embrace being small? Uh, yeah, so that word I agree with more, you know, you embrace the fact that you're small. Proud, no, I wouldn't use that word. Not that I'm not proud or anything, but definitely, you know, I I embrace that I'm small and that uh, she can find a larger cost to satisfy her more. And I love seeing her with men, so the more she's satisfied by other men, um, you know, the more it works for us. So. Now, what can you, I mean, obviously, you you know, your wife has had, you know, multiple experiences over the time that you've been doing this, but what, what can you recall about the first time one of her bulls saw you caged? Like, what can you remember both how you felt physically and how you felt mentally? Like, what can you recall about that first time? Well, definitely the first time, you know, I was a little anxious about it because we we didn't know him. Um, you know, meeting him for the first time. Um, he didn't, you know, it was, I was just, I was just there in the background. He didn't, uh, he didn't, uh, engage, uh, in the whole chastity thing or, you know, verbally or anything. So our first experience was, you know, just, I was just there. And how has that progressed? Like, where are you? nowadays like what is a situation that you can recall where you being caged was an integral part of the scene so recently that's what we kind of seek out with bulls as someone who is is more of a bull um we just recently uh met one who was just happened to be up in the state and he's very much uh verbally you know telling her you know, how much better her cock was than mine and look look at your hobby over there in his little cage. So um, we are seeking those type of guys out more. Now, are you finding that when you do encounter those types of guys, like what does it do for your dynamic when you have a – experienced and capable bull like that? Well, I'm more involved, um, and which turns me on, and whenever I hear her, and, and she needs that. She needs someone to bring out that verbal part. Um, so I'm more involved, and it turns me on more when I'm, you know, maybe humiliated a little bit more, or she might, you know, call me over to grab my like eight talking balls and while she's, you know, getting fucked. And uh, it, it just, I'm more involved with her and more. Okay. Now, one thing, I, another thing that I'm curious about, and like I said, these are all conversations that I've had with cucks in the past. I get the sense from a lot of cucks that the moment that they are released and she allows them to come, that there is a part of them 
that once that initial euphoric feeling passes, they almost kind of regret that they were let out. Absolutely. You know, 100%. like they, they, they wish it had, it, you know, she had kept them in longer. So is that something that you mm-hmm. can relate to? Absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, you're almost begging because you're so turned on, but boy, you know, it's the first time I didn't realize that that would happen, but once I came, I'm like, huh, you know, that kind of sucks. <laughs> so, you, yeah, you get a little stronger and the more experience you have and just being able to just say, no, you know, I don't want to come. Um, and you, you don't regret that. So what's the longest you think you could go? Well, it's hard to say because we've gone five weeks. I mean, there are days when I'm just, uh, I don't know, I just, you just crazy and you want to come. Um, and then there, you know, three or four days that go by and, you know, uh, so, I think I could go, I'd love to try three months and then go from there. Okay, pretty lofty goals. Now, before chastity became a part of your dynamic, how often would you masturbate? Oh, it depended on how often we had sex, which, you know, three times a week, so... I might do two two times a week, maybe. Now, do you still watch porn, whether it's online porn or videos of her, or like, do you still watch that, even when you're caged? All the time. So, uh, well, I do more. <laughs> you, you watch it more when you're locked up. Yeah, because I'm so damn horny. So, how would you describe the feeling? You know, because most guys, you know, when they watch porn or when we watch porn. You know, you see something that turns you on, you know, you, you know, you jerk off and that's done and, you know, you've had your fix for a few hours or for the day or whatever. What is it like when you're watching it and you have no means of relieving yourself? Uh, I, I love the feeling of, you know, having full balls come and the more I watch it, the more it feels that way. And I just love it. I just love not being able to come. And is that something that just continues to build and build and build up until she releases you? Or is it like it, it builds for the day and then you go to sleep and then you wake up and it's like starting over again? Yeah, yeah a little of both. Sometimes, you know, you, like I said, you'll be super horny for like three days and then, I don't know, you, you know, you're not for a couple of days for whatever reason, who knows. But it's... It, it does tend to build, but then you'll have those off days. Okay. Now, you know, we talked about the fact that your wife knows that you're participating, you know, in this interview. So what I would like to do for you, because I'm sure that she's going to listen to it, and I want her to hear you expressing yourself as far as what this means to you and what she means to you. So how thankful are you to have a wife who is open-minded enough to allow this to become a part of your dynamic? Well, since we started, you know, meeting guys, and this is built up to chastity, 
um, the more she has been involved with it, uh, the more she's involved with finding bowls that really, I, I mean, I really appreciate that in her because um, I know it didn't start that way. Uh, so the more she becomes involved um, with Cassidy and the more she uh, enforces it, you know, I really appreciate that part of her. And uh, I guess I just appreciate Mm-hmm. And you definitely think, I know I touched on this a, a little bit before, but how much has being in chastity made you more aware of, like, how sexy your wife is? Um, uh, like, do you find yourself noticing, like, every little detail now? Um, I, I think I always have because she's extremely attractive with a, you know, nice, beautiful face, great fit. Um, I'm just more, I, I'd say not noticing those things. I'm just more touchy-feely, um, you know, kissing her neck, you know, holding her, grabbing her ass, grabbing her kiss. Just, just more, I just become more physical. So you're pretty much like a teenager. Yeah. <laughs> now, how does she respond to that, to you being more touchy-feely? Oh, she loves it. She loves attention, and she loves me showing affection and attention. Um, she's always liked to be touched and groped, and she's never minded that at all. So, based on everything that you, you've told me, would you say that for her, this is the biggest bonus about you being locked up is how much more affectionate it makes you? Absolutely. Yep. That's, that's what she notices the most and uh, enjoys. So she would agree with that statement in a heartbeat? Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Now, one thing I like to do um, in tying these interviews up is because, you know, because the subject matter is so serious and I'm trying to, to give people some insight into this is I like to end things on a light note. So over the course of you doing this and being in, in chastity, being a part of your dynamic, do you have any kind of funny stories, like something that happened one day while you were wearing a cage? Like I know some guys have, you know, whether it's, it deals with, you know, airport security or, a child seeing it or a neighbor seeing it. Like, do you have any kind of something funny that happened involving chastity so, or your cage? Yeah. So the first cage I got, and I can't remember what the name of it is right now, so I should say I have three stainless steel. So the first one was very large, very heavy. The size didn't fit at all. The ring was too big. And it was super uncomfortable anyway. And I was at work. And we're sitting around having lunch. And then when I got up, it just fell off. Oh, shit. And, and clanked on the floor. But no one really saw it. They, they heard something, but they didn't know where it was coming. They really, you know, so I just kind of stood there. And uh, no one saw it. They all heard it. They didn't know what it was, and they kind of went on their way. <laughs> Jesus. So it, it... At the moment that it hit the floor, did you feel like everybody was looking at it? 
Like, was that your but, fear? Uh, they looked my way. I mean, they certainly, they didn't really, they just looked my way. Because it didn't make a real loud noise, you know, because it kind of came through my pants and just kind of hit the floor lightly. Um, so, yeah, I just leaned over and I had to pick up something anyway and just kind of grab that at the same time. So, so luckily it wasn't, uh, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, that situation could have been, it could have been far more awkward. Yeah, yeah. Now, I'm not sure. I mean, I, they, they never would have known what it was. Right. What they would have asked. And I would have had to come up with something, and, and I don't know why something's falling like out of my pit like it was that. <laughs> no, I, I had a, 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 a situation I encountered. I had a, a party, and there was a woman that I was meeting for the very first time, and she stepped off the elevator, came to the hotel door, and before before we could get in the door, her stainless steel butt plug fell out of her ass. <laughs> And, you know, like this is in the process of me meeting her. Like, hey, how you doing? My name is Michael. Your name is Clunk, you know. <laughs> and, you know, I can't recall if there was anybody in the hallway or not. But a very interesting moment. You know, just the, the I just remember the the look that came over her face in that moment. So your story definitely uh, reminds me of that. One thing that I forgot to to, to touch on, and I just kind of want to get to it really quickly because it's really short. Another cut that I had talked to had kind of brought this up. Going to the bathroom when you got to take a piss, do you go to the urinal or do you sit down? Um, I, I, I sit down mostly um, at a few bars. Um, I, you know, because it's mostly urinals anyway, I will go to the urinal. And they all, and there have been a few uh, disasters. Now, disasters in what sense? Oh, because you can't get the piss hole in the right lined up with the hole in the thing, and it just kind of shoots off the side, and it sprays one way, and goes down your leg, and uh, yeah, it just, just sprays all over. Man, so it seems like sitting down would definitely be more convenient <laughs> and less messy. Yeah, yeah, a little neater. And I've heard Cook say that, you know, the act of sitting down is actually one of those things that kind of reaffirms the, for lack of a better word, the feminizing aspect of what wearing a cage can symbolize, because you're even having to sit down to pee. Yes, it does. And yes, I, I, I like that fact. Yep. All right, G. Well, I want to thank you for being so honest and, and forthcoming, you know, in your answers. I appreciate it. I'm sure my listeners will appreciate it. And um, you've been great. And I just want to say thank you for participating in this. Great. Well, thanks for having me. And, uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm you. glad you enjoyed it. Okay. Lastly, we have Matt. Now, Matt is in a unique situation. Uh, he's not married. He's not dating anyone. He is a single cuck who is practicing what I like to call uh, self-chastity, where he has locked himself up on his own and he has a key holder. So I thought he would provide a unique perspective because I know that there are many men out there who are in a similar situation to him. So... I wanted to add what he brings to this topic. 
Enjoy. Okay, I'm sitting here and I'm talking to Matt. And Matt's situation is different from the other cucks that I've that I've talked to for this October episode in that Matt is not involved in a relationship. Matt is a single cuck who basically employs like a self-imposed type of chastity. And I know that a number of cucks out there who are unattached enjoy this type of, of activity. Like their desire to have chastity as a part of their life is so strong that they go to this level. So why don't you say hi to everybody, Matt? Hello, everyone. All right. Now, for those who are listening who may not be aware of this, how exactly does self-imposed chastity work? Like when you lock yourself up, what do you do with the key? Well, actually, um, I mean, I put the key. I actually have a couple of keys, and I just put them in a safe place. Um, they're always, you know, some, somewhat fairly close by. I, I think there's a, um, initial fear, so to speak, about, about losing the key or not having it, uh, close enough at hand. But, um, like I said, I pretty much keep it, uh, in the bathroom at home. Now, obviously there are several different types of, of cages. You have plastic, you have silicone, you have metal. What are you currently wearing? I'm wearing one of the uh, the curved steel ones. Okay, so you have a metal cage. Correct. Now, you told me earlier that in celebration of October, you've been caged since October 1st. Yeah, that's correct, since October 1st. Okay, when you leave the house, do you take a key with you? I actually do not. Okay, so when you're out and about, God forbid, if anything were to happen, you were to get in any kind of accident or something, you would be locked up. Exactly, yes. Okay. Now, you have a key holder, correct? Correct. Okay, and I know of her. We'll just refer to her as Jay. Um now, how much contact do you have with her as you're going through this? Uh, yeah, pretty much, pretty much daily. So multiple times a day, um, I converse with her online. And what is it about, like, help my listeners understand, why does this appeal to you? What is it about chastity that resonates with you? You know, everyone thinks of it as a, you know, a physical thing, and it's obviously a very physical thing, but um, it's really as much mental as it is physical. Um, being locked up 24-7, you're making a certain commitment, and that commitment, um, you know, is really permanent. It's not like you, you know, you take it off for part of the day, and then you go back to it. I mean... You you really make a commitment to it, and it's it's really giving up um, giving up control. It's giving up control to someone that you trust, um, and there's just a lot of uncertainty that comes with it, and excitement, 
um, and just a lot of you know a lot of a lot of things that you just don't know what's going to happen. Okay, now before you locked yourself up, how often did you masturbate? Um, definitely daily, maybe a couple of times a day. And do you watch porn when you do? Oh, for sure. Okay. Now that you've been locked up, obviously you can't masturbate, but do you still watch porn? Uh, I do from time to time, yes. Although you, you sort of kind of recondition yourself. In what way? Um, I mean, early on, you know, if you tried watching a lot and you, you get a lot of pain, obviously, as you're trying to uh, trying to watch it and get aroused, but then then you sort of get realize that the pain, um, you know, isn't what you're seeking. So you, you've sort of mentally rewired yourself, so to speak. Okay. Now, and, and re rewire in what way? Like help my listeners understand what it is you're rewiring. I think, you know, you can still watch porn and you can still, you know, talk to your goddess and you can still engage in in all of that, but you you can't get fully aroused. And uh, if you try to get fully aroused, it's going to be very painful. So already knowing, you know, you don't know that early on, so you, you go through all the pain, you go through the pain, you go through the pain, and then eventually you start realizing that you can only get a certain point of arousal, but you cannot go beyond that point. Okay, so throughout the course of your day, how aware are you that you're locked up? Like, how much is it in your mind? It's pretty much constant. Um, you know, I work in a, in a professional type of job, so I wear slacks. And it, it's you, you probably don't go more than a couple of minutes without, um, you know, remembering that you are in chastity. So, um, Do you find it hard, harder to concentrate on your work? It's definitely been more and more difficult, obviously, um, you know, being locked up for now over three weeks. I mean, that's an incredible amount of time after being used to, you know, jerking off every day. So, um, again, that's sort of part of the mental aspect of it, too. Um, I, I've really found that the more and more I go without, you know, actually – um, ejaculating and coming, I become even more submissive. So it's sort of a vicious circle in a way. The more, the more you go without, um, you know, actually having an orgasm, the more, the more submissive you become. Now, in these three weeks that you've been locked up, being that it's self-imposed and you know where your key is, What's the most that you've been tempted to, like, what keeps you from unlocking yourself? That's a great question. You know, and I think, you know, you, you sort of battle that a little bit in your mind. But, you know, my goddess that I talk to every day, Jay, she's uh, she's a pretty amazing gal. And, um, you know, she really helps keep me focused. And she, you know, reminds me daily um, and, you know, Without her, I think it'd be very easy to stray, but with a good, you know, uh, goddess or female dominant, 
at least close by. Um, she definitely keeps me in my place. Now, when you talk to her, does she ever intentionally do things to arouse you, to kind of tease you and torment you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, like like what? Like give us some examples of what she does to put you in that state of mind. Well, she talks about, um, you know, because she lives, you know, far away from me, um, you know, she talks about having the key on her necklace. Um, and she happens to be very chesty, and she talks about putting her boobs in my face and, you know, smothering the key in my face. And, you know, she talks about, you know, rubbing her pussy out all over my cage and just, you know, she just wants to tease me until till I explode. Now, how much are you looking forward to being released? <laughs> I'm uh, super excited. I uh, I have a countdown calendar on my phone, so, so I look at it all the time. So, does it officially end on Halloween? Like, well, that's what I that's what I hope. Um, you know, it's completely up to her. Um, we'll see what she has in store for me, but you know, I I spoil her with gifts and. Um, you know, I promise to do other things for her too. So I think as long as I hold up mine of the bargain, um, that's definitely a good possibility. So you're pretty much feeling like an adolescent during the holiday season right now who's looking forward to Christmas. Like you, <laughs> you're looking forward to that date and thinking about it and imagining it and, and everything Absolutely. else. Yeah, absolutely. I'm uh, super excited for Halloween this year more than any other year, I think. Yeah, you probably never looked forward more to Halloween than you do right now. <laughs> That's right. Okay, so okay, give, us a, give us a little a little background. How did you first, like, when did you encounter chastity? Like, how did chastity get into your head? You know, I think from... Um, I think kind of watching some online porn, I think, is when I first saw it. Um, but it didn't really, you know, resonate with me. Um, and then I think with, uh, you know, thinking more and more about it. And, and like I said, I think for, for most people, they, they really think about the physical aspect of it. And I don't think they really understand the, the mental aspect of it. So... So, again, for me, you know, really embracing it and, um, you know, kind of owning it, if you will, it, it's it's more mental for me than physical. When did you get your first cage? Like, when, is it, when was the first time you ever put a cage on yourself? It was about, um, it was about three years ago, so with my ex. Mm -hmm. So she, she had actually ordered, you know, she... It kind of had an interest in it, too. So she actually ordered it online, you know, and it arrived. And, um, you know, really the first time I put it on, it was it was actually really, really difficult to get it on. And kind of, you know, my heart was racing and very panicky. But after the first couple of times when you kind of learn how to put it on, it, it's not as bad. And when the first one that you got, what material was it? 
it, it's the same cage. So I've only had the one cage. Okay, so you've only had the one. Have you ever had to travel, like, through an airport with that cage on? No, I have not. Okay. One of the things that I've heard from, from other cucks who are caged is the simple act of going to the bathroom to take a piss. What is that like for you? Yeah, it's funny you say that because I was going to mention that. Um, so for me, I have to piss sitting down. So, you know, again, sort of the mental aspect of, you know, being a beta and being a cuck, having to sit down to piss um, after having, you know, standing standing up my whole life is sort of a, obviously, a huge adjustment. Um, and it's as, as much mental as it is physical. So you haven't used a urinal in three weeks? That's correct. Now, have you been... I mean, obviously, when you're at home, it's a very simple act. You walk into your bathroom and you go. But for any guy out there, we've all used public restrooms. So for you, you walk into a public restroom, whether it's at work or at a restaurant or what have you, and you have to immediately find where the stalls are and then check to see if you see feet, meaning is that stall occupied? Even though the urinals are wide open, you know that you cannot use them. That's exactly right. So yeah. kind of put us in your head, like, what does that moment make you feel like, you know, because obviously you've been using urinals your entire adult life, but now when you walk into a bathroom and you see a urinal, you almost have to remind yourself, oh, I can't use that because I'm locked up. Yeah, exactly. And I think... um you know, kind of where it really hit, hit home for me is, you know, was out at um, out at a bar with some, you know, friends after work, and uh, you know, it's kind of a, a bar slash dance club, you know, and having to go to the bathroom, and so the guys, you know, using the urinals, you know, obviously are sort of the real men, and I have to go into the, uh, you know, <laughs> closed. Right, and basically pee like a girl. Exactly. So you're sitting there, and you're in this public place. You can hear the guys using the urinal. Maybe you hear some conversation, some banter, what have you. And you're sitting in there in the stall. Obviously, no one knows that you're caged. But in your mind, is that reinforcing your submissiveness in that moment? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I can hear the guys out there talking about, you know, the guy with the big the big tits they want to get with and I know I'm not going to be with her and you know I'm stuck and you know I'm stuck in my cage and I already know what my my destiny is for the night so not only for the night for the whole rest of the month so so when you're out in this type of establishment are you there by yourself or are you with people uh, I'm usually with people I guys really mixed crowd girls like who are you usually with you know, I'm usually with kind of a mixture, so it's either just guy friends or I'm with maybe a couple of guys and gals or just people from work, so all kinds of mixtures. Now, when you're with a mixed crowd and you're out in a public place, do you find any of these women attractive? Oh, for sure, for sure. I mean, 
you know, being in a club and being locked up for a couple of weeks, you're on edge, you're on a couple of drinks, and, you know, I'm, I'm literally screening in my cage for sure. And so obviously you're with these women and they're having drinks, so they're loosening up a bit, and you see them flirting and you see guys hitting on them. And in your mind, you're like, I'm not that guy. Exactly. I am the uh, I'm the guy that watches the purses while the girls are out on the dance floor. Or, you know, I'm at the bar grabbing drinks for them. So, you know, I think indirectly I'm kind of their bitch. If that makes sense. Yeah. Now, how do these women, like, what kind of comments throughout the night do these women make to you? Because uh, obviously they don't know that you're caged, but just your demeanor. Like, do you get the, oh, you're so sweet or you're so nice? Do you get a lot of that? I get a lot of that. Like, I'm very polite. I'm very, you know, very much a gentleman. And I think they're comfortable in front of me, you know, talking about, you know, other guys or, you know, I was, uh, I remember being out um, about a week ago. And, you know, these girls are talking about the guy that was across the across the dance floor and how they wanted to, you know, fuck them. And they were just doing it very openly in front of me, you know. And it could have very well been me they were interested in, but they weren't. They were interested in the other guy. So you are firmly in the friend zone, these <laughs> yeah. women. Like, they don't see I'm, you as a threat. In, like, you might as well be a girl, a woman. Yeah. Like they don't see you as a they don't they don't have to watch themselves around you they don't they talk to you the same way they talk to their girlfriends. Yeah, I would say uh, friend zone, and in my mind, I'm in the cuck zone. Okay, now I'm sure you didn't just start hanging out with these people at the beginning of October. So before you were caged, and you would have a night like that. Would you, like, how soon after you got home would you masturbate? Um, I would say as soon as I got, I got home. I mean, I, I think for me, you know, I think I've, I tried. You know, see, I've tried getting with a lot of these girls before, and, you know, it didn't work or, you know, so I, it, it's sort of a, a, a giving up, if that makes sense. Well, I don't see it as a giving up. I see it more of an acceptance yeah. Of who you are and how you're wired. You know, and I, I, and, and I think that while you were trying, you were basically swimming upstream. <laughs> you were swimming against the current. You know, it's not, it's not natural for you, so they weren't picking up on it because it, it's, that's not who you are. Very true. You know, Very so... Now, aside from your key holder and your ex, are there any women in your life that know that you're a cuck? Uh, no, there's not. Now, when October is over, do you think that there's a part of you that is going to yearn to be back in your cage? Like, are you going to miss that feeling? Because one thing, before you answer that, one thing that I've gotten from a lot of cucks, and especially those that are in relationships, is they're locked up, 
and their partner finally grants them their release. They come, but then there's a part in their mind where they almost wish she would have kept them locked up. Like, like mm. their release is, it's gratifying, but it's very short-lived. Mm-hmm. And basically what happens is that short-lived moment basically totally erases however long they were caged and they wish they could go back to that. And it's almost like monopoly and you get out of jail and you have to go back to go, you know, go back to the start. It's like almost like they have to start all over again from square one. Mm -hmm. Do you think that you're going to feel that or have you felt that before? Yeah, with my ex, um, even though I wasn't always in chastity, she would control my orgasms. And she would notice how submissive and attentive I would get with each day. And then when she would give me release, which would be usually every, like, two weeks, she always hated it because she said I'd always, you know, kind of revert back to, you know, kind of like you said, starting over again and then just kind of not being attentive and not being you know, ultra submissive, like, right. I mean, really. So, so I think for me, you know, really with Jay, you know, she's really convinced me, you know, she really wants me to be pussy free forever. So as a cuck, being that you've accepted the fact that you cannot please a woman sexually as far as fucking her, Mm-hmm. What do you see as your strengths? Like, okay, we know what you cannot do, but as a cuck, what do you see as this is what I can do? This is what I can provide. Like, what do you bring to the table as a cuck? I think um, I believe I, I think I bring security. You know, financial security, emotional security, um, supportiveness. Um, you know, when I do finally meet the ultimate cuckoldurse of my dreams, you know, I, I really think that I can provide her with, you know, everything that she needs in her life outside of what I can't provide, which is, you know, really good sex. And I really do want her to be a, a queen of spades. And, you know, I really, um, you know, that's for sure what my future is. Okay. Now, one thing that I know a lot of cucks are good at is eating pussy. Is that a strong suit of yours? I would say so. Um, you know, with my ex, that was probably in the last year. That was all that I got. Um, and uh, I, I would agree. I think for any cuck, that's, if, they, if that's an expertise, that, that's what it would be. Now... I believe I believe it was you where in the messages that we exchange before this conversation uh let me see I'm scrolling through our conversation okay you mentioned your cuckold fear now I'm gathering that you listened to Venus or you watched or listened to or read something that she had written or said about cuckold fear correct Okay, so how would you do, like, if someone were to ask you what is cuckold fear, 
how would you describe it? I think it would be, um, you know, someone finding out about it, someone you know finding finding out about your interest in it or your your part in the lifestyle. So to me, that's that's sort of the fear, or is the fear. Okay, now do you still have that fear? I'm trying to let go of that, um, which is why I'm doing this interview. And you know, I really want to, you know, a lot like you, kind of bring others into the lifestyle and get people to um, explore it and at least, you know, understand it. So I feel like, at least from a cuckold, you know, I want to be an advocate for the lifestyle. Okay. Now, one one thing I've noticed in my time in this lifestyle, and the thing that I find fascinating about cucks is, from the outside looking in, people look at it and they wonder, what the hell do these guys get out of it? In other words, there's this, they're like steps that cucks go through, where they spend a period of time. Like they, they first become aware of it, and then there's this period of time where they're fighting it, and then the next step is they kind of accept it, and then the final stage is they embrace it. Like they're no longer afraid, they're no longer concerned, they, they, just, they just totally buy into it. And from what I gather from you, you're kind of at that phase between accepting and embracing. Like you, I, I feel like you've accepted it. Like you know that, okay, this is who I am. But you're not yet at the phase where you've embraced it. And I guess that em embracing comes when the fear is totally gone. Like all the cucks that I've known who have embraced it, they no longer have that fear. Like that fear is gone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I, you, you say a lot of the same things I've said to, you know, others, you know, sort of going through the steps. I can remember, um, you know, being in my 20s and going to the clubs, you know, and being awkward and trying to pick up women and, you know, not being able to and, you know, watching them go home with other guys and, you know, watching them go home with black guys and, going home alone and being angry about that, um, you know, and then at the same time, you know, watching a lot of porn and, you know, trying to understand what, you know, what the interest is in black guys for these white women. So it sort of was an exploration, um, you know, at this time in the mid nineties, you know, there wasn't a whole lot on the internet. There was very few right. websites about interracial, about cuckolding. It was very, it was very, um, rare type of fetish, if you will. Um, so I, I sort of went through an exploration at that time and, and to your point, went through a lot of the, a lot of the phases. So. At this point in your life, how would you describe where you are now with all of this? Are you say if you meet a cuckoldress, are you at the point where you're ready to embark on that? 
Yeah, I would say um, like I'm, I'm, I feel like I've fully embraced it now. I'm, I'm definitely in that that phase, and I'm, you know, 100% ready to commit to that. And if other people happen to find out that I know, I'm not, you know, I'm letting go of that fear. Um, you know, I'm very open to talking to other people about it and and getting them to at least, you know, explore it or understand it as well. So. I'd say that's the phase I'm in for sure. Okay. Now, your key holder, Jay, I know her. Okay. Mm-hmm. Have you ever talked to her on the phone? I have not actually talked to her on the phone yet. Um, we have okay. a visit planned. Um, I'm actually going to fly to where she where she's at here in early December and actually meet her in person. Okay. So... Obviously, she's going to hear this. So this is the first time that she's going to hear your voice is when she listens to this episode. Yeah, correct. Okay. So, like I said, being that I know her, what do you have to say to her? Because she's the one that brought you to my attention. I would just have to say, you know, she's probably the most amazing goddess I've met. Yeah. Talked to a lot of women online. I've talked to a lot of, you know, doms, fin doms, you know, everything. But she's by far um, the most dynamic. And I, I tell her she's dynamic because she has the the, the whole skill set. She's she's compassionate and she's she's nice and she's friendly and she's funny. Um, at the same time, she can be you know very mean um, and, and dominant and sexy she she really runs the whole the whole spectrum and that's part of the excitement with her because i never really know for sure what i'm going to get but so she keeps you on it, your toes yeah and, and that's truly who she is she's not faking she's not phony she's not you know doing it as a part-time job i mean that's really who she is and that's what's so exciting about it yes i mean i've, I've had many conversations with her and i know how much she truly feels this and enjoys it and gets off on it. So you're definitely in very capable hands, you know, as, as, as far as she is concerned. So, um, in closing, like I said, this is going to be a part of my October episode. So people are going to hear perspectives from, from different cucks in different situations to those guys out there who, are in your situation, meaning they're not attached to anyone yet, like they're not involved in a relationship yet, what would you say to them as far as how being in this type of situation where you have a woman who's a key holder who you're not physically with, how does this help you overcome your cuckold, that cuckold fear? Yeah, I would say, you know, you don't have to be married. You don't have to be in a committed relationship to be a cuckold. You know, a cuckold is a state of mind. And if, you know, you self-impose chastity and you sort of accept your place as a beta. And, you know, you just understand that, you know, that there's women out there, a lot of women, you know, hot women that, that really are attracted to more alpha men. And you just have to accept your role. Um, yeah, I've always told people that it's it's like a any any type of football game. You know, would you rather be 
um, on the sidelines as a cuck hold, or would you rather be outside the stadium? Right. So, um, you know, really accept it, which is probably the hardest part. But once you accept it and you, you know, really explore it, you know, you really have your own place, and, you know, there's a lot of enjoyment. There's a lot of things you can provide and a lot of enjoyment you can get from just being a cuckold. Very well said. Very well said. Well, Matt, I want to I want to thank you for your candor. I want to thank you for your honesty. You know, I'm sure my listeners have enjoyed listening to you express yourself this way. Um, you know, the purpose of everything that I do is to enlighten people about what this lifestyle is all about, and I feel like there are a number of women across the globe who could truly flourish and you know being involved in this type of relationship and that's one of the things that I'm trying to do is to paint it in a way that makes it more appealing to women because as it stands now the supply of cucks far outweighs the demand for of women looking for cucks Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to bring balance to that. Well, that's great. And, you know, and your 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 education um, and your 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 angle is is uh, is pretty amazing. And um, you know, I wish there were more polls out there like you that are doing what you're doing. So so keep up the great work, and you know, together we will uh, continue to spread the word and get other people interested in the lifestyle. All right. Well, thank you for that. It's definitely appreciated. And I, I'm sure that your cuckoldress is out there. So just fight the good fight. And, you know, pretty soon that key won't be in your house. It'll be around somebody's neck. <laughs> That's right. Thank you, sir. All right. So I want to thank everybody for listening and This has been another episode of the the Keys and Anklets podcast, my special October episode, and I hope you all enjoyed listening to Matt tell his story. Thank you. Okay, I want to thank everyone for listening. That's the end of my October episode. I hope you all enjoyed it. Uh, I had a blast making it, and I hope to do similar types of episodes in the future. So once again, I want to thank you all for listening to the Keys and Anklets podcast. A special shout out goes out to all of my Patreon subscribers. I wouldn't be able to do this if it wasn't for your generous contribution. So thank you. And for those of you who have not yet signed up for Patreon, if you can find it in your heart, please do so. It would be greatly appreciated and it would definitely help me reach some of the goals that I have for the show. Thank you and have a blessed day. 